0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon. How many of you are taking care of a loved one or a friend with a serious illness? Maybe they've suffered a stroke or they have cancer or dementia and they're growing increasingly frail. That's the reality for 8 million Canadians. Being a caregiver is a 24-7 job, but 6 million Canadian caregivers have to juggle it with their day jobs, the jobs that they get paid for. And that results in 18 million lost work days, and it costs the economy $1.3 billion. But imagine the cost to the system if we didn't have all this unpaid work. And amidst all of this, it's no surprise that caregivers are burning out. According to a report just out today, the rate of burnout has doubled in the last four years. I know that a lot of you are caregivers out there, and I want to hear from you. The numbers, 416-360-0740 or one 866 740 740 We want to hear your stories. I'm here with Renee Henriquez, who is the president of Comfort Care of Central, on, Central Toronto, excuse me. And uh, I'm also here with Elise Kaifitz, who is a caregiver to her mom. And uh, her father, Daniel, is also on the line. Welcome, everyone. Thank you, Thank you Libby. So let's start with you, Renee. Uh, you offer a service, uh, paid caregiving. Do people come to you before? they burn out? Or is it after they burn out? And and what is the fallout from that?
2: Well, Libby, unfortunately, people come to us usually in crisis. And uh, we were just talking before the show started how it's a topic that people don't really want to talk about. None of us really want to think about our, our moms or our dads getting old or frail. They're our moms and our dads, and we want them to stay that way. And, it, you know, it's just one of those topics that people prep for. In the home care industry, we, t- we try to encourage people and families to have these discussions, you know, talk about what people's wishes are. And yet, even in the middle of crisis, people find that hard to do.
1: Right. So
2: they come to us after.
1: Okay. <laughs> and you're dealing with people who can afford to bring right. in help. So what happens with people who cannot afford to bring in help?
2: Well, our government services are are here to protect people that can't afford the help. But anyone who has uh, been in the situation where they're working with services uh, that help their elderly loved ones know that they're very limited. Um, So, you know, we need to start to think more in a community fashion early on. Uh, as we see our loved ones get older, because our plan, our government services are, are designed so that we help. They're not designed to provide all the care.
1: Exactly. Elise, you've been taking care of your mom for a decade.
3: Yes, over a decade. So my mother has heart disease. She got sick in 1995. When I was nine years old. So um, right after she was caring for me, role reversal hit Mm -hmm. quite early on. And my duties as a child going to school, coming home, doing homework sort of shifted a little bit. And, you know, doing math homework was the first priority. And then, you know, it got a little jumbled up because, you know, there were there were times where I would have to assist with bathing or or dressing, or household chores as well.
1: Because your mom's also a double amputee.
3: Yes, so my mother's also a double amputee, and I know my father is on the line and could also speak a little bit better about the story, but in 95 she had what they found five blocked arteries. They had to do what they called at the time a gift surgery, so had they not done that, she probably wouldn't have been here today, Um, and thankfully she is. Um, She'll be 70 this summer, so... We're very excited for that milestone to hit. But um, the last 20 years has been a gift for us. But for my entire life, I've only known to care and to make my decisions based on my mother's needs. So even choosing universities, I wanted to stay closer to home, even though my heart was at University of British Columbia. So all of these types of things, sacrifices. um, It's very difficult, especially when it's your mother, because resentment could come and play a role. But at the end of the day, it's your mom. You have a filial obligation obligation. And it's the most important duty I've ever had. So that
1: resentment is part of it. I think, um, Renee, it's not just if it's your mom, because really it's a 24-7 kind of a job. You know, you wrote an interesting piece in the Globe and Mail about the things nobody should say to a caregiver. And we know that people have to take breaks, but you you should never say, according to you, why don't you get out more often?
2: Yeah, there's a lot you shouldn't say to someone in that situation because until you're in that situation and even if it's you, but you're in that situation with a different person, you know, at, at first mom and then dad, there's different feelings because that uh, relationship has its own dynamic. So, yeah, I, you know, I think that um, we need to be very careful about what we say other than good job and can I help you?
1: Uh-huh. And uh, what about this business of, of resentment? Yeah. What, when does that set in?
2: Well, uh, you know, when I worked in, in the hospital, it, we used to know when a crisis hits, whether a family was, you know, but, quote, healthcare functional or dysfunctional. Because in a crisis, people have a hard time Um negotiating with other family members if there's a history of resentment. And, I, you know, I, I don't know anyone that caregiving doesn't bring up to the forelight all of the family dynamics between siblings, between what happened between you and dad, what happened between you and mom. It just brings it up. So, you know, resentful, uh, resentfulness is in there with all the other emotions that, that people feel. And that's why, it's a, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's a landmine and and that's why we say don't, don't throw your judgment and Don't push on the bruise.
1: Just say, let me help. Okay, let's take a call. We have Herta in Alora, and Herta, you are a caregiver. Yes. Um,
4: good morning. No, good afternoon. Actually, already. Yes, I am a caregiver. I'm a caregiver
1: for my Herta. Yes? I, I, can you speak up? We're having a hard time hearing you. Oh, is it better now? Yes, it's better now.
4: Yes, I am a caregiver for my husband. My husband had a stroke in um, 2011, Yes, and uh, I know exactly, uh, unless someone has been or is a caregiver, other people don't really know what is all involved. Um, Like for me, for instance, I'm the only one here, and my husband is left side paralyzed. He is in a wheelchair. And the help that I get, I mean, I am taking it. I'm happy that there is some help, but it's an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening where a a personal care worker comes in and uh, helps my husband to get out of bed and then put him into bed again. And uh, a respite for me is four hours a week but that is when i have to do my shopping my um appointments i have to look after the car after the house after everything and there is really no time for holidays or anything of that sort
1: and uh so basically uh, would you say that your Housebound, except for those four hours a week? Are you, do you have to be at home all the time?
4: I am at home because my husband is in the wheelchair. He cannot walk. He, um, like um, necessity, is um, going to the bathroom and things like that, feeding. I mean, he can eat himself, but uh, food preparation or ev- anything else I have to do. Yes, I am housebound except for those four hours. And what would help you? Uh, if there would be more respite, that I would have the chance to go out um, in between um, the
1: weekdays. And anything else? I mean, do you have friends and neighbors who say, "Let me pick up some groceries for you" or "Bring over a meal"? Do you have anything like that?
4: I have. I have excellent neighbors here, and I'm really happy that I live in a community i have uh, a neighbor yes um with um bringing over for instance uh easter dinner now i didn't have to worry about that i do not have to worry about cleaning the snow that it is early in the morning when the psws come i have a neighbor that comes when it is sometimes still dark and he cleans the driveway for that's me. lovely it is it is unbelievable yes but on the other hand too is I feel one cannot always take; one should give back, and I really cannot give anything back.
1: That that I can understand how that's difficult. Yes, um, Elise, um, what would have helped you? Just uh, we were going to have to take a break shortly, so just quickly, what would have helped you
3: in that period? Probably because I was so young. Um, I think, and I say this publicly, I really believe that therapy or some support like that, even just a friendly caller or something like that, who knew what was going on at the time, um, I could speak with and just sort of get on the same page and know that somebody else is going through the same thing as well. Uh, Herta, w- do you think you would
1: be helped if you had a, a professional, a mental health professional to talk to?
4: Well, men- mental health, I do not want to go that far. as I'm really standing on my... On to feed, but I think sometimes just to have a conversation with someone who has to battle the same. Like, I'm not a young person anymore. I'm 75. My husband is 78, and uh, if we had children, that would be another story, but we lost both of our children. Sorry to hear that. There is a big gap there, too. And uh, just somebody that has gone through it or is going through that, and, I mean, we are going to a stroke group in Elmira, which is about 15 Ks or 20 Ks from here. We meet once a week, and that already also helps a
1: lot. Okay, Herta, thank you so much for sharing your story. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to have to take a quick break, but we are going to be back with more of your calls and your stories, and more from Renee And, Elise, the numbers before we go, 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to 1. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are
1: talking about Caregivers and what we can do to help them. It is National Family Caregivers Day, and 8 million people in this country have unpaid work on top of their work taking care of loved ones and friends. We just heard from Herta in Alora and how difficult a time she has because she only has two hours a day from the community to help her with her husband who is in a wheelchair and has had a stroke, and she has to handle... Everything else herself. Renee, you had a couple of suggestions. Yeah, when I listen to
2: Herta's story, it just reminds me how many of these stories I hear a week. There's a lot of people in this position, and uh, getting these people together, as Herta expressed, would be great for her, a great support. So, a couple of ideas I had. One, um, the local Alzheimer's Society for Herta. If she were to call that society, there's a couple of things that they offer the community. One, community groups, which are great, but I know it would be difficult for her to get to such a group. But they also have some online options. And they also, what I love about their service, and really it saved me during my time with, with caregiving, they have counsellors that you can book uh, appointments with uh, and have count, like uh, one-to-one counselling sessions with their counsellors. And was
1: it... counseling for you for your emotional state or or counseling just to tell you how to handle these responsibilities?
2: To tell me what to do next.
1: Well, exactly. It's it's interesting, this report that just came out from Health Quality Ontario, Uh, their top recommendation is better preparation and instruction for the responsibilities that caregivers are taking on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Elise, you had a suggestion as well.
3: Yep, just over time and as my mother's situation has... um gotten a little bit more challenging. We've actually had the CCAC, the Community Care Access Center, come and do a reassessment because for her, for um, the woman that we just spoke with, it might be possible that there be more time available for her husband, and she should certainly act on that.
1: And, and Renee also suggested, now while we know that paid care is very expensive and prohibitive for a lot of people, uh, if you just want to get some for a few hours a week, it's generally about twenty five dollars an hour. Yeah. So if if you need that four hours, it's a hundred dollars a week and some people can afford that, some people can't. But uh it's it's an option out there.
2: Yeah. And it can provide her with another four hour break.
1: Yeah, well exactly. Let's uh let's take another call. Helen in Toronto. Hi Helen. Hi.
5: I've been a caregiver for my mother for the last fourteen years. Wow. Yeah. What, what
1: what is her condition? She's got dementia. Uh,
5: we, I had to put her into a long term care home last year because it was not safe for her to be home alone. I had CCAC and I supplemented and all the other things, and she was she went to a day center um, twice a week and she went to the Y three times a week. I had her very busy. However, um, when she was sitting outside in the <laughs> in the cold and the dark in front of her uh, in front of her apartment saying i'm waiting for someone to take me home it was time and i couldn't find a caregiver i was looking for a caregiver at the time anyways um two points one all your well uh educated wonderful friends telling you what to do <laughs> don't <laughs> and the other is um that when somebody says to you, Can I help you? give them a job right away. Don't let them finish the
1: sentence. <laughs> yes, give them a job. Renee, you're nodding your head, so uh, please. Yeah. I'm thinking
2: of her as well with with Helen's comment because she was saying how, the previous caller was saying how she thought that she didn't want to ask because she felt like she should be giving back and in a sense you are giving back, you're you're letting someone do something for you that that they want to do. But um, Helen, I am also laughing because I know that all that stuff people says to you just becomes so tired, like you just zone out. (laughs)
5: especially when you've known them the number of years that I have and they say bring her to your place you want to see a (laughs) murder-suicide you know (laughs) it ain't happening (laughs) Um, and just to piggyback on that uh, when you need something and somebody says can I do anything I was most delighted a number of months ago when somebody uh, I know who is looking after her mother and her health isn't very well either she either sent me an email or called me and said, well, when you go up to the store, could you get me? And I was ecstatic because she finally reached the point. You have to have a certain relationship before you can reach the point of saying, Helen, uh, you know, I can't do this and this. I can't get to the store. I'll pick it up from you. But I took it to her place, and people who are in a similar situation understand. And if I'm going to the grocery store,
1: you don't have to. And, and you know, uh, you can remind people because I know that when I find out somebody has a situation, I'll, I'll make them a meal or pick up some groceries, but after I've done it once or twice, I've done it. And you know what? I If somebody, you know, says, you know, next time you're at the grocery store, I would welcome that because you know what? I'm at the grocery store a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's
5: exactly how I and, felt. When she said to me, and I know she's not well enough to get out. She'd been, her mother was in hospital, and she'd been running back and forth, and I was going to be
1: there anyway. Well, ex- yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and it's interesting, you know, you said your mother uh, had dementia, so two questions, and that you kept her very busy. But uh, for a lot of people, it would be hard even to get their loved one to those programs. I mean, did you just drive her? No. Um, and, and right
5: now I have um, something standing before the, uh, with an MPP for, uh, well, I'll tell you the story. My mother was going to the Y via Wheel Trans, and she was going to the Baycrest using uh, Royal Taxi, because they were the best, could give me absolutely everything I wanted. Now, while I was doing that, and when I was checking the taxi, um, you know, the things for seniors and everything else. I found that if you buy a metro Pass, it's tax deductible. However, if you buy tickets, which was a better, um, better option for us because she wasn't going to use them that much, and you use community buses, taxis, anything else, it is not tax deductible. And her transportation was over $3,200
1: well that's something, you know, um, our friends at Carp are advocating for more breaks for caregivers and that's something to think about, uh, making that tax deductible.
5: Yeah, well I've uh, already spoken to an MPP.
1: Well, yeah, I think I'm that would sorry, be at an the MP, sorry. an MP. I think you need the federal the federal level for for talk because right, I'd already spoken
5: to Monty Clincher and he said to me, no, you know, I can't do anything for you on this one. Take it over to uh, Mike Levine and I've already had a yeah. meeting with him and it's it's moving. It's not going to move quickly.
1: Well, nothing is. the The fact is that the liberals actually made certain promises for caregivers during the campaign, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of putting those promises in the next budget, what they did is they said we're going to consult. That's that's I think a favorite thing. Uh, seems to be a favorite thing of of liberal government. But they were. They were talking about six months of compassionate care benefits that could be claimed in blocks mm-hmm. instead of all at once, and could be claimed for serious illness. Rather, right now, you have to have a terminal diagnosis. Right. So I think those things are would have be a very big help for people. Uh, but uh, we still have to talk about them, I well, guess. And the other point that I wanted to make, you know, you mentioned your mother had dementia, mm-hmm. that according to the report out today, the burnout is especially bad for people who are dealing with people who have cognitive deficits. And again, uh, Renee, you're shaking your head, nodding your head, so, so you obviously have something to say about that. Uh, yeah,
2: and all the data that you read uh, over time, but especially now when we have more. This generation is the first generation of people that have lived as like, average age as 83. Uh, and we, we don't know a lot about it. Um, but what we do know definitively is that when people are dealing with, with a loved one with a cognitive deficit, the stress levels are are much greater than they are when someone doesn't have a cognitive deficit. It just adds another layer.
1: Yeah. It's, I mean, you can imagine. I was just saying my, my neighbor, her, her husband has Alzheimer's, and uh, they're very fortunate. They have a full-time caregiver for him, mm-hmm. live in. But she is just so stressed. And can you imagine watching, you know, your husband of however many years, you know, losing himself? Right? Exactly.
5: But Libby, that's not the only thing. Besides um, the physical care, I have spent two days on paperwork to get my mother's stuff to her accountant. I uh, She needed a haircut and she needed to see the podiatrist again because I didn't know what, um, what the traffic situation was and how I would... Uh, how I would find the right person to speak to, to have that done at the home, that all takes time, lots of time. And those are just the simple things that a caregiver, that a uh, paid caregiver probably doesn't want to navigate.
1: Well, well, exactly, and and is not necessarily capable of navigating, but that's that's a whole other thing. You know, you have to take care of people's tax situations and, and, and all of that. Yep, from in your four hours of respite.
5: <laughs> yeah, at which time you say, Now can I look for
1: mine? <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> Helen, thank you very much for your call. Okay, take care. Bye. Okay, bye bye. We are going to have to take a quick break, but um, I'd like to give both of you ladies the opportunity to w- what do you want people to take away from this, Renee?
2: I just wish it could be easy for people, and it's just not. Um, one thing that I, I I would love to see, um, as our first caller mentioned, is it, just with these three callers, we can hear that desire to not feel like they're way out there on, on their own. So I would like to see people uh, move, uh, make use of the services that provide more of a community for them. Um, and also, there's online
1: a, as well as online, yeah. There's
2: a lot of directories. There's not, there's you know, two that I can think of major directories online and in, on paper that you'll often find in your pharmacy. One's called Helps Here, one's called uh, caring.com. And uh, there's all kinds of services, there's, there's hair services that come to people's houses. Uh, one of my favorite companies, haircuts on wheels in Toronto. They go around when people are uh, stuck in, in in their homes and do their hair and make them feel great. So there's there's a lot of services that people aren't tapping into.
1: Yeah, it might be easier if you could find all the services in, in one, one place. place. Yeah. Navigation in yeah. in all aspects of healthcare is is an issue. Yeah.
3: And Elise, um, I'd say three things. So. For myself and for every other caregiver, um, I think about sitting on a plane and what they say to you first, you know, before you you help someone else with their mask, you need to put on your own. And I think that's really the most important thing is that if you're not well enough, if you're not mentally able, if you're not emotionally there, you're not, you know, and I know that it's difficult for people to find the time to take care of themselves, but you really need to make that a priority. Um, and the other pieces, as we're here talking about dementia, as well, my grandmother's had it for about 12 years, she's now at Baycrest, but two major things. One, I know that there, I know there's a, a space in New York City, because I did some research there, but it's for the sundowning. So basically, the person with dementia would go to that facility, and then the caregiver would go off and have a little bit of free time, which is just a wonderful, wonderful project. And then the other pieces is for me, um, with my grandmother, is that you need to know that no matter what, that individual is still in there and that there are some components that you can do and take away to help communicate with them. So for me, um, I use touch. I I touch her forehead. So apparently, science shows that touching someone on the forehead gives them the feeling of their mother. So that sort of brings these feeling of calm and everything. And um, um, it's just... There's a lot of takeaways that you can do, but at the end of the day and the beginning of the day, just remember that it's all about you and to really try to take care of yourself.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Elise Kafitz, caregiver, and Renee Enriquez, the president of Comfort Care of Central Toronto. Really appreciate all of that.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.